0: Chapter four There is immediate denial, disbelief, anger, fear. They don't say a word in the moment after his pronouncement, but it is all there, roiling in the force, shouting between them. Impossible, Master Rensesis chitters. The Sith were destroyed a millennia ago. Since their coming we would have Yoda claims, raising a quelling claw against the miasma of disorder in the Force. Ben holds himself still. He's gotten good at it over the course of the war, over the course of training Anakin Skywalker. Holding his breath, his trembling muscles, his emotions, not in, just still. As unreadable as calm water. "'Because the Jedi are all-powerful and all-present and all-knowing,' Ben says flatly. "'Because the light is strong and never fails.'" He doesn't know why he came here, except for that his heart ached to do so. They did not listen the first time, even when the war was upon them. How could he have thought they would listen now? At least then, he had proof at least in Maul's death in Qui-Gons. And still, with a decade between that and the end, they were incapable of rising to meet this threat that consumed them. Out of habit, he had returned to those he had always held in trust, hoping that he would be saved by their wisdom and their action, and he had forgot how often they had simply not heard what he had to tell them in those last years. How much they failed to see when shown— And perhaps he had convinced himself that it was only because of the war, because they were tired and spread too thin, but... Despair was too familiar to be crippling, shrouding him like a warm cloak. And Ben turns and walks away from the council, recognizing how foolish he had been to come before them so unprepared. "'What did you see?' Master sifo calls out before he can reach the door. "'Nothing.' Ben replies, hoarsely. None of us saw it, not until it was far too late. Leave, do not. Yoda calls out after an uneasy pause at his reply. Troubling your account is. Dismiss you, we did not mean to. But you do not believe me, Masters, Ben replies, turning his back to the room because he isn't going to stand there and talk to the door. Would you... Windu asks, frankly. Ben wonders, what would he have done if, say, Petro that brash initiate who struggled to think of others before himself, appeared before him as a weary man and told him that the hero with no fear was going to fall and slaughter every Jedi in the temple, from feeble elder to helpless child? No. Ben would not have believed him could not even conceive that his Padawan be capable of such cruelty. But he would not have been able to dismiss it. The seeds of doubt would have been planted, and the warning would have rung in his head every time he saw Anakin lose his temper on the battlefield, every time he raged against the council, so personally and ferociously, every time he scoffed at the reminder of the code he had sworn to follow, and that Ben ignored him following so loosely, So long as Anakin was still doing the right things. So long as he was still Anakin Skywalker, his Padawan, his brother, a man he loved with a fierce attachment that he would not have admitted to. I would not want to, Ben admits. Tell us more, Master New entreats, gesturing for him to return to the center floor, ever the information monger. I could tell you everything I remember from the day I was sent to Bandemir to the day I returned here, Master New, and still fail to save you. I could do even worse by providing that knowledge than fail to save you, Ben says. The future is always in motion, even mine, even now. But how are we to ascertain the veracity of your claim without further input? The archivist replies testily. For all that Ben has ever respected Jocasta knew, He has never quite managed to stay on her good side. Their identity, could you reveal? Master Yaddle inquires, her green gaze far brighter than Yoda's. How do you intend to deal with them? Master Coon's voice carries. And it is he Ben turns to with the most certainty. Violently and with prejudice, Ben replies coldly. You do not sound like a Jedi, Master Poof sniffs. And you do not know how many have died while I bore witness, Ben retorts, knowing that all of his agitation is not entirely his, that the room is still roiling with their conflicting emotions, poorly released. He forces himself to breathe deeply, and pull on the force, pulling on the light piece calm that suffuses the temple until it washes away the chaotic energy in the room. Appreciated, that was. Yaddle dips her head in respect. And well done. All of the masters take a moment to reconcile themselves, settling into the cleansing uplift of energy he has drawn into the room, and clearing their own thoughts. "'Placed upon you has been a great burden, hmm?' Yoda intones, ears perked but eyes drooping, unfocused on the here and now, seeking answers in the Force. "'With care handle this. We must.' Decisions to be made, there are. Made today, they will not be. Journeyed far, you have, and rest, you must. Welcome to the temple, we do, Master Nasad. Your home, this is, and shall remain. Settle in, you should, and settle simpler matters this council has yet to do. Thank you, Grandmaster. Ben sighs, bowing. Yoda's ears twitch, and he nods. I'm summoning my Padawan to assist you with the details. Windu nods to Yoda, who tips his head in agreement. Ben nods his gratitude, and the council is unsettled in the least about staring after him as he departs. Padawan Dapa Bilaba is a far cry from that woman Ben remembers. Part of it is that the teenling has a lopsided Padawan cut, and part of it is that she has yet to adopt her master's stern demeanor and has not seen yet the horrors of war. Her face is still soft, and her curiosity is bright in the force as she assists him through the tedium of paperwork necessary for the temple systems. "'So I have the most basic info for my master, but I need a few more details to get you an ident pass,' she explains, typing away at an admin terminal, with alarming speed for a human. "'Home planet, Master Nassad?' Ben twitches his fingers." Thinking for a moment, Obi-Wan Kenobi's home planet is listed as Stujon. But even that isn't true. Stujon is merely a placeholder, a point of contact for a rather insular people who live within a very scantily charted nebula. He'd went there once, not into the nebula itself, as that was a good way to never be seen again. But to Stujon. It was a small world, orbiting a white sun, He'd found fields of dappled gray grass, broken up by iron-red rock formations, and the odd spray of pale yellow bellflowers and milk-blue berries. The people there weren't settlers, but the watchmen of the nebula, and as he did not speak their silent language, they did not welcome him, for all he shared a remarkable likeness to the humans among them. It had been a remarkably lonely experience. "'Concord Dawn,' Ben says feeling his lips twitch. Rako Hardine had been born on the Mandalorian world of Concord Dawn. So had been Jango Fett. Date of birth? That requires math, and she offers him an unimpressed raised brow, as the answer takes time in coming. Ben shrugs, but as a counselor's Padawan, Deppa is no stranger to unusual council requests. Native language? Mendoa, Ben replies because if he had been born on Concord Dawn, that would be true. As it was, it was the language of his heart, taught and trussed by his men during the lulls of battle and long nights reciting litanies and watching over the wounded, whispered in quiet prayers by Satine that long year on the run, and understood only half a lifetime later. "'Okay,' Depa nods, her braid sliding over her shoulder." That will do for an ident pass, once we get the gene proof. But you'll need a full medical workup before we can submit you to the temple record and issue your authorization codes. Well, Ben sighs. I need to go to the healers anyhow. Good. Deppa replies simply, young and decisive. Ben had never been that decisive at her age. I can send out a request to the quartermaster now, but it won't be approved until you have medical clearance. Ben nods, and lets the Padawan do so, before she escorts him to the Halls of Healing, with all the self-containment and severity of a full-fledged bodyguard. In her presence, this loose-limbed tweenling he'd only ever known as a wise warrior, he doesn't only feel old, he is old, and he's not even middle-aged. There is a buoyancy in the energy of the temple that he would not have noticed a lifetime ago, where it is not only filled with light and calm— but with the buzzing brilliance of life, of studious Padawans and excited initiates and happy-safe kreischlings and content masters and adventurous knights, and he aches for those days within his own past, never having noticed how all those things slipped away over the years into tension and uncertainty, into determination and weariness, into desperation and delusion in those final months." Even the halls of healing are free of the cloud of sorrow and resignation he remembers as the war-wounded never stopped coming. Instead, the living force pulls thickly and hums of safe-heal rest, and slightly of the manic energy of the healers themselves. The cream-white-gray color scheme is soothingly neutral, and the Jedi within are confident of their purpose. As they stride towards the main hub of the ward, A Zeltron healer whips around, mid-sentence, with a protocol droid, and Ben winces as she zeroes in on him. The healer had soft red skin, purple-black hair pulled back into a high tail, violet eyes, and she practically charged on him and Deppa. Ben pulled his shields in tighter, knowing it was rather useless. Zeltrons were natural empaths, and all the shielding in the world wouldn't stop them from knowing how he felt. "'What is wrong with you?' "'Coming to a halt and crossing her arms. "'Most healers, if they carry a lightsaber, "'have a belt attached at the small of their back, "'out of the way. "'This healer wore her saber on her hip, "'which told Ben that this was not a standard healer "'of the Circle of Healers, "'but a healer knight, trained for the field of war. "'They were the only kind of healer "'that the temple trained in those last two years. "'But once they were so very rare.' I'm not injured, Ben says defensively. You feel like you're dying, she retorts bluntly. Master Nasad is here for a complete medical workup, Healer Nihila, Deppa says astutely. Perhaps the two of you could settle the matter scientifically. Thank you, Padawan Balaba, Ben says dryly. Deppa nods, apparently missing his irony. I'll finish submitting the Quartermaster requests, Master Nasad," she adds before dismissing herself to the nearest healing garden. Ben mutters at her shadow, and has no choice in the matter of Healer Hyla marching him into a screening room. The medroid on station perks up at their entrance, and the lights slowly come up. Ben has never met Healer Hyla, that he can recall, but he has heard of her. She and Master Healer Vokroche had once been counterparts both Initiates and Padawans of the same year. They had very parallel careers, and when the time came for Chief Healer Quorup to retire, they had both written each other glowing and poetic letters of commendation, in the most passive-aggressive campaign to get the other elected and save themselves from the nightmare of administration. Healer Che had lost, and rose to the position with grace, and Healer Hyla, from what he had understood, had taken a long assignment in the Outer Rim, which had claimed her life well before the Clone Wars. You have no medical record, Nihayla frowns, holding a datapad. Hence the comprehensive exam, Ben replies, as the medical droid insists he divest of his over-tunic and trousers. Yet you are a Jedi Master, she returns flatly, violet eyes narrowed. "'Suffice to say I ceased to exist for a very good reason,' Ben equivocates, and shivers as he loses his shirt as well. He'd become unfortunately accustomed to Tatooine's climate, and the temperature-climate control of the temple seemed too chill by comparison. The Zeltron makes a hard noise in the back of her throat, but when Ben glances up, she's turned away from him. "'Scars,' he realizes. "'He has more than a few.' More than most seasoned knights and masters, even from his Padawan days, by virtue of whom his master was, Ben had been sent into some of the stickiest situations and on the most difficult missions, becoming a renowned knight and then master by sheer virtue of first being forced to keep up with Qui-Gon Jinn, replacing him in his duties, and then having to prove example for and keep up with the Chosen One. He had lightsaber scars from his many encounters with Dooku, Grievous and ventrous. He had lash marks from his stint at a Zagirian slave camp. He had scars from venom mites and wild beasts and blaster fire and an unnecessary number of explosions and crash landings, from being wounded too long in fields too far from back to treatment, and any number of scrapes he had had as an apprentice. He doesn't realize they are made worse by the weight he hadn't noticed losing hasn't cared about how clearly he could see his ribs when he simply could not muster up hunger. "'Wait till you see my blood work,' Ben says amusedly. She turns back and narrows her eyes at him, as the droid requests that he lay still on the table for more invasive screenings. Ben climbs up and lays flat, and tries not to grit his teeth at the way the deep tissue scanner makes his bone hum. The droid takes the blood sample, and a small hood device lowers to hover above his head, investigating his brain tissue and neural pathways and activity. I'm amazed your biology continues to function, considering its integrity appears critically compromised. Nehaile remarks blandly, studying his genetic makeup, and Ben laughs. laughs. I'm really not joking. I'm well aware. You also could have mentioned you were a rampant alcoholic, she adds. "'Your poor liver is in a terrible state.' "'I haven't had a drop in days,' Ben claims defensively. "'How'd the withdrawal go?' she inquires, morbidly curious. "'I deliberately forced my system to purge at an accelerated rate, and then proceeded to lose consciousness for twenty hours. My flight companion was very distressed, and the hangover was atrocious.' That is literally the least possible recommended way to handle addiction in force users I've ever heard of. You could have killed yourself, of which I'm certain you are well aware, she says crossly. A prolonged withdrawal was not a feasible option, and a gradual one was not an available option, Ben retorts, not having had the foresight to stock up on alcohol before they left Tatooine. Partially because he was unwilling to ask Schmi to return the credits to him, so that he could do so. "'I'm adding a warning tag to your file,' Nihaila mutters, flicking her long tail of hair back over her shoulder. "'She has a narrow frame and a narrow face, typical of her species, but she's tall for a Zeltrum, Half a head taller than Ben, at least. "'Any allergies we should be aware of, or shall I have better luck just issuing a full panel?' "'Oh, there are several.' Ben says grimly, including a variety of vaccinations. Not the vaccinations themselves, the healers had learned, after putting General Kenobi out of commission four times in attempts to prevent him from catching whatever was spreading in that particular battle zone. Instead, he had the great joy of being allergic to one of the protein carriers they'd used in the hurried development of almost 300 brand new medical treatments. Luckily, they had finally figured out what it was and had then only given the second-run variants of the vaccines, and trusted that having had all his troops vaccinated would hopefully protect him in the meantime. Nihila directs the droid to do an allergy panel, which is an uncomfortable process. "'Byseltrossi,' she murmurs, and Ben glances over to see she's pulled up a display of his skeletal system. The sheer amount of fracture data has to be stripped into layers to even be read." What were you doing in the last decade that broke that many bones? She turns on him, as if it were his fault. He hadn't exactly done it to himself. And how did you even survive? There is an absolute minimum of scar calcification, which I wouldn't consider possible given the hyperactive tissue of your species, so what was this treatment you were using? Something called Bacta, Ben says vaguely, figuring it can't hurt. It won't be a galactic export for years yet, but he knows that the system of origin has been producing it for eons. They'd just stopped exporting it nearly a millennia ago, after the last Sith War nearly depleted their planetary resources to the brink of disaster. Nihila seems to grow more and more peevish, as terrible results pile up over horrific scans, but Ben can only find himself amused. Every broken bone, after all, simply grew stronger. You are a sock drawer thrown in a trash compactor, she mutters irritably. Thank you, Ben replies, earning another peeved look. You need a dedicated healer, she then says, to which Ben replies, no. I'm serious, Master Nassad." She faces him fully, every inch of a healer knight. If you have any medical complication at all— we could kill you by sheer accident for simply being unfamiliar with the existing complications present in your system. Having your medical record will not be enough, particularly if you come in as a trauma case. You have three replacement organs, two of which I cannot identify the manufacturer of, a pair of synthetic nerve clusters unlike anything I have ever seen, and one artificial inner ear whose patent doesn't seem to exist. Your DNA and RNA structure is riddled with foreign packets, and there are trace elements of toxic compounds I can't even identify in your bloodstream and tissue samples. Dare I even ask about potential psychological evaluation? Possibly therapy? Because whatever you have been through has no doubt made just as much of a mess inside your head as it has your body. I will be declining a visit to the mind healers, Healer Hila. Ben replies quietly but perhaps I will concede to the prior request, given due consideration. She scoffs. <sighs> you are the epitome of gracious surrender, Master Nassad, she says, unamused. Perhaps I should assign you to my Padawan. No doubt you'll eventually need such intervention it can qualify as his healer's test. That is unkind on so many levels, Ben protests. It's done, Nihila says sharply tapping on the pad. "'I've already done it. I'll introduce you as soon as he's finished surgically removing Detoners from a pair of survivors.' "'Actually, the individuals in question are companions of mine,' Ben comments, earning her attentive focus. "'Could we not go to them as opposed to the other way around?' he requests, folding his overtunic back around himself as the medical droid releases him. "'By all means,' Nihila nods waiting for him to slip back into his boots. Her eyes judges his clothes just as critically as the scanner's judges his body, taking in the cracking soles of his boots, the sand-whipped threadbare quality of his tunics, the patched and repatched knees. Ben has a sudden trepidation about what she sees in his face. The red kettle did not have a mirror in its fresher, and Ben had never acquired one on Tatooine. Ben manages his boots, and runs his fingers through his beard as he stands upright. It's longer than he prefers, and scraggly for lack of grooming, and his hair brushes his shoulders because he finds it easier to tie back than cut off, particularly given that the length protects his scalp from the scorching of Tatooine's twin sons. He wonders if his appearance didn't frighten Shmi, if it didn't lend to her unease, as much as his simply being a male stranger did. Nihila guides him through the halls of healing to the surgical suites. "'Will it scar?' he hears, in the high, tremulous tones only three-year-olds seem to muster, as they round a doorway and see them. Shmi has her arms wrapped around herself, in a plain, undyed dress, but with a deep berry-colored shawl pulled around her shoulders, standing by the bio bed. Anakin, on the biobed, was prodding at the shiny red line on his leg, his tongue sticking out. Ben, he chirps, looking up at their presence. Ben, they took it. They took it out, so it won't blow up. It was in my leg. I think I'd have lived if I'd a run. This is perhaps the cleanest basic he's heard from the boy, but he's not unaware that their first few days were full of shy silence, more than the inability to speak. Furthermore, he and Schmee are rating enough relief, shock, joy. That he's amazed the youngling isn't jumping up and down just to spend the energy. Then, of course, his words process. I think I'd have lived if I'd have run. The rush of black vision and white noise creeps up on him from the side, floods through, and rushes back out as quickly as it came. With Anakin's power, and Ben had judged so much on a scale of Anakin, that would have been a rage that could crush worlds. He'd felt it before. The desire to rend horrible places, and the horrible people that made them to dust. He suspects that Anakin has acted on it more than once, but Ben reminds himself that innocent people tend to live there too, and pushes all the fury into pure sensation, until the emotion fades and all he is left with is energy, and a clear mind with which to use it. Ben might have said, I'm glad you didn't try, but he's lived on Tatooine long enough to know how insulting that is. Baru had told them who the unfettered were. Like Leia, the Great great Dragon, they broke their own chains. They were the ones who ran and gambled to death, rather than continued to live in bondage. I'm glad you didn't have to, Ben says instead. Me too, Anakin grins, full of childish delight. Master Nassad, Nehila calls his attention. If I may introduce you to my Padawan and your future healer, Astyachias." The Padawan in question has just stepped back into the room from sterilizing himself and his equipment after the minor surgical performance, and Ben experiences a strange double vision before memory fades into the face of reality. The Pantoran Padawan reminds him greatly of one young Rio Chuchi, the blue-skinned boy having similar pastel lavender hair and pale yellow eyes. Unlike Senator Chuchi, his gold tattoos form a thin line from the top of his brow to the tip of his nose, and then a series of circles below his lip. Being a healer's Padawan, his Padawan cut is far better groomed than most, and judging by the length his master has allowed it to reach, he is a healer very near his test. A healer's test was not like a knight's trials. A knight's trials tested the spirit, capability, and the faith. A healer's test challenged the will as well as the student's skill. A healer could display technical mastery and fail to push far enough to save a patient, or worse, push too far, beyond ethics and morality and conscience, cause undue suffering to prove sheer talent in saving their patient, and fail just the same. A healer knight faced both. Being the proposed test subject of this particular healer's future test, Ben wasn't entirely sure how he felt about the matter. "'Master!' Padawan Shias bows to him, and Ben jerks his head in a nodding response. "'The Padawan has a more confident presence than the young Senator Choo had when he first met her, but the observant curiosity in his gaze felt just the same. "'I am assigning you to be his primary healer under my supervision,' his master states bluntly, and the Padawan jerks where he stands, eyes widening before narrowing critically, first on his master.' and then on his patient. Ben reaches out, and Anakin happily clambers into his arms, so Ben could shield himself with the boy. "'Ah,' Esya murmurs softly. "'I hope I won't be seeing you.' "'Likewise,' Ben agrees.'